This podcast was made possible thanks to Drama Victoria. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are speaking with Michael Finneran. Yes, he is the Head of Drama and Theatre Studies at Mary Immaculate College, University of Limerick, Ireland, where he leads the BA in Contemporary and Applied Theatre Studies. He has published and spoken internationally on creativity, arts education, social and applied theatre, and teacher education. He is the editor of RIDE, the Journal of Applied Theatre and Performance. Recent co-edited books include Drama and Social Justice Theory, Research and Practice in International Contexts, and Applied Theatre, Understanding Change. He is an active theatre practitioner, working frequently as a director and lighting designer, and serves on the boards of a number of professional arts organisations. Michael recently chaired the group at the Arts Council of Ireland, which established the Creative Schools Projects as part of the Creative Ireland Initiative. We are talking to Michael Finneran about breaking up and making up towards renewal and reconnection in drama research and practice. Michael recently ran a workshop at the Drama Australia Symposium called Renewal in Hobart. Tasmania. Please note this interview was not recorded in the studio, so the audio quality is not as high as it usually is. At the end of this episode, we will leave the audio recording from his talk at the Drama Australia Symposium in Tasmania, so please uh, stick around for that. Without further ado, I bring you Dr. Michael Finneran on breaking up and making up towards renewal and reconnection in drama research and practice. Welcome to the Aside podcast, Dr. Michael Finneran. Thanks, Nick. Great to be here and great to uh, have an opportunity to, to, uh, to chat with my Australian colleagues and, and colleagues indeed from all over the world. Can I, can I tell you a funny story about an Australian podcast? Of course. <laughs> I, I gave a paper in Sydney 10 years ago um, at, at the IDEARY conference that was hosted at the University of Sydney um, by my colleague Michael Anderson and my paper was podcast and I arrived back in Ireland a number of weeks later having taken a few uh, weeks vacations and um, I got a call from Galway which is the neighbouring city 100 kilometres up the coast from a young woman who um, said hey I've just heard a podcast of your paper at Sydney I'd really love to come and talk to you about doing doctoral studies and uh, that young woman is now one of my colleagues and one of my best friends so um, Australian uh, Australian based podcasts tend to have a big impact on my life. Fantastic well maybe this one will have a tiny impact on your life I hope so it'll listen yeah. good for you. Uh, my first question is, is perhaps a bit cheeky but we'll see how it goes can you talk me through your Twitter handle, please? I was trying to pronounce it myself. I understand <laughs> it means illuminate, but I, that's the best I can do. So, well, there you go. I'm a, I'm a lighting designer. Um, uh, so um, when I, I was very new to Twitter, I, 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 I um, never envisaged that Twitter would become kind of a significant facet of my professional life, which, of course, for many of us, it has, um, given that we're out, trying to out-Trump Trump all the time. Um, that was a joke. Uh, and I, I just started it up and I was trying to think of something interesting and I'm, so I'm bilingual, Nick. I, I, I was um, born into a Gaelic-speaking and an English-speaking household and Salshahor is the Gaelic for, as you say, quite literally it means illuminate, but I suppose it's the closest, um, uh, closest we would have to lighting designer. Um, and that's where it came from, simple as. Oh, great. So you will illuminate us today about the recent research paper that you're working on. I, I, I'll certainly try my very best. I'll certainly try my very best. I'm, I promise not to blaze. It's um, as we, we were chatting uh, a moment ago, it's 9 a.m. here, so I promise not to blaze too many bright lights in your eyes. Fantastic. Can you give us the pronunciation of that Twitter handle one more time? It's Salshahor. Wonderful. Salshahor. Sal 
Yep. They can listen to me mispronounce that just a little bit later in the episode. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Uh, so we're going to listen to a talk that you gave at the Drama Australia Symposium in Hobart. Can you give us a snapshot of your most recent research? Sure. Um, oh, well, first of all, it was, it was a wonderful pleasure to be with my Australian colleagues in, in Hobart and, and what an amazing place to have a conference. Dark Mofo was on at the time, so we, we managed to, to talk hard and, and play hard. Um, I'm working on a book with uh, Associate Professor Kelly Freebody at the University of Sydney at the moment, and the symposium came on the back of um, a week that she and I had spent writing together. Um, and our book is, the working title for the book, I'm not sure if it'll come out the same way, but the working title for the book is called The Drama of These Times. And what the, what the book tries to do is to map the way in which drama, and, and by we're using the term drama quite loosely, and we, we understand it, obviously, we're both drama educators, we're both formerly classroom teachers and teacher educators, but we also work in, in applied theatre as well. And we're looking at how um, drama kind of intersects with a whole pile of contemporary themes because, you, you know, obviously the, these times that we live in um, are um, tricky ones, uh, to put, you know, to, to, to say the least. You know, we have climate uh, emergency taking place as, as we speak at this moment. Um, the, the fires are raging in, in, in the Amazon. We have raging inequity across the, the world in terms, of, uh, in terms of revenue. I suppose one could argue that capitalism is rampant. Um, you know, we've all sorts of, we're struggling to deal with, with a, an increasingly digitized society. Our youth um, are growing up in ways in which um, we perhaps who are older don't fully understand. So the book tries to map the ways in which each of these areas, um, such as technology, such as gender, sex, sexuality, and so on and so forth, intersect with the work that we do, do broadly speaking, as drama educators and applied theater practitioners. And equally, how is it that what we do in our work, and we we do tend in this field to be very, I suppose, pro-social and to have a very social conscience, a very profound social conscience. How is it that what we do can, can educate for or perhaps bring about some sort of change in each of those areas? So that, that's kind of, that's the, the, the preamble. That's, I suppose that's the most substantive part of my, my current research. But the paper um, I gave in Hobart, Nick, was uh, in a direct response to Jane Polly, um, who was the convener of the, the symposium in Hobart, and, and she asked us to look at renewal and reconnection in drama research and practice. Um, so I titled my paper Breaking Up and Making Up, um, and it was in direct response to her, her, her provocation, because I suppose, yet again, we find ourselves in a situation where we're, we're trying to you know, it's a cause of great frustration to me as, as, as you know, just even talking about the, the, the Twitter thing. I'm, a, I'm an artist, you know, I work as a director and, and a lighting designer, but I'm, you know, I'm a, a university teacher. I run a, a BA in applied theatre, um, a former classroom teacher and a researcher. And all of those um, aspects of my life, life fit seamlessly alongside each other. And yet we're constantly at a place, I think, in drama education and applied theatre where we're, we're asking what's the relevance of research to practice, what's the relevance of practice to research. So Jane's call for us to, to, to renew and reconnect um, kind of lit a little light in me. And I decided on the back of that to be somewhat of a prov provocateur. Beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, I, 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 I argued um, in the paper um, that we have, you know, that, that in, in our field, I suppose that we have something of um, a set of disconnected discourses. And that probably sounds like a, a lot of um, academic ease to, 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 to many of your listeners. But 
I suppose what, what I'm trying to say in that is that is that we have got some disconnects. You know, if we're calling for if we're calling for um, renewal and reconnection, it, it implicitly suggests. Um, you know the, the antonyms of renewal that, that we are somehow exhausted or impoverished or or, the, or that there's a degree of destruction um, and, and I, 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 what I mean by that is that I suppose I began to look at why we're disconnected and why we need some renewal and, and I, I identified a number of phenomena that, that, that I witness in my own world uh, so for example globally we're now seeing a lot of uh, university-based drama educators leaving drama education teacher education is not a particularly friendly place for 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 drama education and and as we know in many school systems around the world you know one could point particularly to the uk um people are deserting drama in droves um equally um i suppose one could argue that a lot of educational research has become quite uh, instrumentalized and that we uh, you know, a lot of faculties of education, a lot of the work that's been done in educational research tends to talk about kind of standards, progression. You know, they, they, we, people talk kind of cheekily about the germ global educational reform movement, which is characterized by transparency, characterized by standards and so on and so forth. But there is a, an instrumentalization of, of a lot of research in education, and which I suppose marries my previous point about the instrument, instrumentalization of, of education systems. And then I, I began to look at what, what we do in drama education. And I thought to myself, well, you know, it's, it's kind of unusual that we, we still, and, and I hasten to add, this is a point I didn't make particularly well in the paper in Hobart, that actually Australia and uh, New Zealand really are probably the exceptions to this rule uh, because they, uh, your country and, 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 and your neighboring islands in terms of New Zealand, um, Really, there's there's quite a, a, an active and engaged um, drama education research community and so on and so forth. But a lot of the global literature around drama education research still claims its intellectual roots in Dorothy Hethcote and Gavin Bolton, Augusta Boal, Cecily O'Neill and so on and so forth. And I thought to myself, well, what is it that we've been doing for the last 25, 30 years? Um, you know, many of us have been laboring in the field for that long that we are not perhaps... Um, progressing some of our theoretical frames. I'm not sure if that makes sense to you, but I was I was trying to argue that that part of our disconnection is to do certainly with global phenomena, but also to do with the fact that my argument is that our kind of our paradigm, the the, the kind of set of explanations which uh, underpin a lot of what we under how we understand our work as drama educators are a little out of date. Yes, and <laughs> that's true. I think there's uh, the way that it's described at the moment is the uh, the dead white men is uh, yeah. the way that's described in. There, there definitely is there definitely is a degree of 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 of, of, of you know dead white man syndrome about about some of our thinking, and um, and and I think one of the areas and I you know and lots of these guys you know the pleasure of working with Hethcote on many many occasions met Gavin Bolton Cecily O'Neill I, I you know as a, a fellow Irish person and and someone I'm 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 I'm, I'm proud to call um a, you know an associate, but my point being that it's it's actually that. Our, our explanations, our understanding um, of, of how it is we do what we do is just perhaps a little perhaps um, out of date. And of course, if one, if one suggests that, as I did, then one is making the point, or you know, I'm making the point that we need some reconnection. Um, you know, and, and how, how do we reconnect and what do we reconnect to? And how do we get around the, the crisis? And, and none of this, by the way, Nick, is new. Like Kathleen Burry wrote um, a fantastic book back in 2000 about uh, the dramatic arts in education. I'm, I'm trying to think of the title off the top of my head and I'm struggling at the moment. And she claimed that we were in crisis back then. So that's 20 years ago. 
And what do you think this paper can do or this research can do to help uh, classroom drama teachers? Sure. Um, well, uh, it's 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 probably something. I suppose I I, I would hope that it's it's uh, that my thinking is 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 accessible enough. Um, and I'll I'll share with you in a moment that you know the, the the really practical things that I think it can do. But I suppose ultimately what I'm what I'm arguing for is a, is a kind of a, a is an awareness um, ness um, and a, a growing. A, um, an increased awareness, forgive my clumsy language, um, ar around this phenomenon, increased awareness around the fact that we live in a time of, um, you know, there's a, a, a sociologist called Hartmut Rosa who talks about um, social acceleration um, and that, that we live in a, in, a, in a time of accelerated modernity. You know, there's technical acceleration going on around us. Um, there's uh, an acceleration of social change going on around us. I live in a, an island which when I was, um, you know, I'm in my, my early 40s now, when I was a young man was a very, very conservative place. And, you know, we've legalized um, abortion. We've legalized same-sex marriage through, through popular ref referenda over the course of the last five years. Uh, regardless of one's politics or one's beliefs, you, you recognize, uh, you know, in that um, a rate of social change. And, and, and just, you know, there's an acceleration in, in, in the pace of life. My parents lived and continue to live, thankfully, at a much slower pace of life than um, the one at which my, my siblings and I live. So, the, so the, I think the relevance of, of my research is, is first and foremost in terms of recognizing that the times we're in are quite unique. And this is the work that Kelly and I are doing. They're different um, and they pose changes. And, and that the, the intellectual frame and the ideas, the paradigm, as I'm calling it, coming from, from Thomas Kuhn's um, work on scientific revolution, um, it, it, it needs to be the set of explanations that connect drama, that connect classrooms, that connect school and society need to be a little bit different to fit these times. Um, one sees it in, 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 in you know, democracy, you know, the, the, the kind of democratic um, idea that, you know, I, I know obviously that Australia has just come through, a, come through a, a, um, an election which for many people was, was a little shocking in terms of its outcome, but we're seeing things happening all around the world in Turkey and the US in Russia um, in the UK you know I, I, I live between um, Trump's Republican um, paradise on, on, on one side and, and Boris Johnson's Brexit on the other side you know and these are quite remarkable times anyway I'm, I'm, I'm rambling on a little but the point I'm making is that it's actually time to say well actually some of, some of our some of our reasons as to why drama is relevant in the lives of young people and some of our reasons as to why we should teach drama in our classrooms need to be revisited and need to be renewed. Um, so, you know, what, what that might look like then, um, again, I've only sketched out in broad brushstrokes, um, but let me for a moment just jump off into into this notion of paradigms and Thomas Kuhn's structure of, of scientific revolutions. He wrote wrote this book back in the 50s. I won't get too boring, boring as academic on it, but um, he argued that in any period of, of, of science or scientific endeavor, um, sometimes questions arise which simply cannot be answered. Um, so it may be a question about, you know, molecular structure. It may be a question about compounds or whatever it might be that the governing rules of the scientific paradigm just are exhausted. And he calls that an era of pre-paradigmatic change, calls it an era of crisis and the, a period of normative. Um, it, 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 it is um, immediately prior to uh, a revolution. Um, with a small R, one assumes, um, uh, uh, following which a new set of kind of rules or explanations are put in place and that, you know, a period of normative science follows that. So I'm arguing that 
you know, regardless of whether we, we do actually have a period of normative science, that we do need a, a kind of a, um, a, a scientific revolution of some sorts. Um, and one of the, uh, what that might look like then, just to, to, to get to that piece, is that we, you know, I would argue that following um, Kathleen Gallagher, the one for Canadian drama educators idea, and her colleague Barry Freeman, they, they talk about drama as a mobile critical paradigm. Um, within socially accelerated neoliberal world and educational system. So that we perhaps reconceptualize and reframe some of our thinking about what we do. Um, and that we, you know, we've, we've always had a huge, um, I suppose a huge concern and a huge interest in, in, the, in the notion of efficacy and the notion of bringing about kind of change. So, you know, theatre and education in its heyday would have had programs, you know, about sexual health awareness or about road traffic awareness and so on and so forth. But that, that our, 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 our thinking shifts from being about the efficacious, um, you know, and about the change oriented to the ensemble that it's about togetherness, that drama actually can, can be about togetherness rather than intervention. Um, I would argue that, that drama can be about, that we need to move our thinking from the cathartic to the creative, um, that we understand we're more about the, the kind of the, the good stuff coming out rather than the bad stuff coming out, if I can put it like that. You know, obviously the, the ancient Greek idea of catharsis was that we, we rid ourselves of, of our individual and indeed collective ills um, through participating in tragedy as it was then but that you know that again it's just a, it's about a slight shift in in the ground rules and in, in our thinking so that we understand that drama is about this joyful release as opposed to this relief release of perhaps um, toxins um, that again uh, yeah, another kind of tenet of, of what I'm calling for or what I'm suggesting that we begin to investigate is that we move from this notion of metaxis so John O'Toole um, the you know incredibly seminal uh, Australian drama educator, uh, formerly of Melbourne, formerly of your own parish, but now now based up in in, in Brisbane. You know John in, in in his book The Process of Drama, um, I suppose really developed the intellectual idea of metaxis, this 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 concept following from following the Greeks of you know being in two worlds simultaneously, both our own and an imagined world. And and I'm not suggesting that that isn't a, a useful idea, but maybe we we need to extend that from that because we live in a multimodal world now. We live in a multi-corporeal world. We have online presence. You know, we started this conversation by talking about my Twitter presence. Um, but you know, the kids we're dealing with in our classrooms uh, live in worlds of Minecraft and multiplayer online role games. Um, and that we move from an imagined reality of being in two worlds to the actual reality of being in, in more than two worlds on a, on a moment-to-moment basis. Um, uh, look, I, I've got loads of other kind of ideas in, in that vein, Nick, that, that, you know, that we move from the living through, um, which is, you know, Dorothy Hethcott's really, really powerful idea that we, you know, that, that any of us have the idea of, of or through drama, any of us can, you know, potentially live through what it might, le- uh, what it might be like to live as a, as a, as a street child in Calcutta, Calcutta. Um, but that we're less concerned with with this notion of othering and uh, investigating what it's like to be other, with with more of a concern um, that we look at both ourselves, but also the people who are in our room, the same room as us. We live in multi-ethnic, uh, multi-religious, multi um, multinational um, societies now. Um, so as opposed to imagining other worlds, that we ima- that we we use drama as, as a means to better investigate our own world, and you know. Yeah, uh, and my, my my very last tenet. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm in danger of, of boring uh, both you and your listeners with these. But then, my my very last idea was that in the paper in Hobart was that we move from from the idea of miraculous drama, 
um, which is about kind of big changes uh, to the idea of microdrama, that about small changes. Michael Balfour, who's um, um, uh, an English colleague, but based in Australia now for many, many years. He's at the University of New South Wales. Michael wrote a seminal paper many years ago in, in it's, it's more of an applied theatre paper and talking about a theatre of small changes, um, which you know has, has always stayed with me over the years and that we are less concerned. James Thompson, another wonderful drama educator at the University of Man Manchester, applied theatre practitioner, um, talks an awful lot now in, in his work about care and about how drama actually can be about care. So that we envisage ourselves less in the superhero trope, um, that it's not all about putting on our, our, you know, our, our, our tights and our capes and, and wandering in to save the world in our drama classrooms, but that sometimes it's about creating a, um, a caring space. Um, and I don't mean to imply in any of these, Nick, and forgive me for having gone on for so long, I don't mean to imply that any of these, because many of your listeners are probably listening to this thinking, oh, this, this, this guy doesn't know what he's on about. You know, my, my classroom embodies all of these things and we care in my classroom. We were very aware of, of the power of, of money and multiple worlds and so on and so forth. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is, is that the overall picture, the, the way in which we describe what it is that we do as drama educators needs a, a paradigm shift. It needs to be described in different terms. And that these may be some of the characteristics of, 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 of what that period of new science is. And of course, as with any provocative um, uh, offering, um, and my research is very much in that vein, these are there to be argued with. I don't claim for a moment that these are uh, any more profound than the insights that any of your other contributors on, 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 the, on the podcast would, would actually offer. The very last one of them, and I'll finish with this, is the notion that um, we move from um, complicité, which of course is the wonderful French term made famous by the by the English company of the same name, but the national, this notion of complicity that somehow we um, we operate within an ensemble as one, and we're we're trying to understand each other. Although to to a much more to a, um, an idea of much more active dissension, because it, it strikes me that actually in the world um, as it is at this moment in time, we um, we need to educate young people to stand out from the crowd, not just to be part of the herd. So I'm not sure if that's made any sense to you or to your to your listeners, but that's that's in a in a very long-winded sentence. That's that's my argument. Well, beautiful. Well, we're lucky in Australia, to, or in Victoria at least, to have the Victorian curriculum capabilities. So those mm -hmm. are different capabilities we need to teach across the across the subjects, regardless of what you teach. So interpersonal, social, cultural, uh, and other and others that you need to be able to teach and show evidence that you're teaching. And drama is a fantastic way to teach many of those capabilities. So I think we're on trend with your thinking. I think you're probably more than on trend. I think you're probably ahead of the curve in that regard. And, um, and, 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 and here's the really interesting thing. This is, you know, going back to, to Jane's plea in terms of the symposium in Tasmania about reconnection renewal. So we've got, you know, some, and, and your example is a, is, is a perfect illumination of the point I'm, I'm probably struggling to make a little bit. We've got this incredible practice going on in so many classrooms. Dare I say it, I see it in, in my own colleagues' classrooms um, here in, in my university in, in Limerick. And, and what we don't have sometimes are some of the academic frames and some of the academic ideas to actually connect with the practice. So I'm not suggesting for a moment that it's the practice that's deficit. Maybe it is in some places, but it's an overall reconnection that we need across the field, whereby the research and the practice talk a little more sympathetically to each other and inform each other and that our research base and our intellectual base is um, contemporaneous for the, for the times that we live in. That sounds like pretty good drama practice. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little out of practice, but uh, yeah, I hope it is.
Uh, you mentioned at the start that you might have an idea or two you might share with the drama classroom teachers for a way they could implement that. Do you have even just one activity you could take us through that we could we could get smaller rather than bigger? Yeah, absolutely. So it's something I've been dabbling with quite a bit and it kind of it fits in with this notion of, um, you know, what I was talking about earlier, but multimodal and multimedial worlds. I've been doing um, a lot of digital storytelling with my students. Um, and that might sound like a very, um, well, maybe for some of your listeners, it's a very, very old fashioned idea. But for me, it's a very, very gentle way. Um, and we've been using the metaphor. I've, I've had the good fortune in the past to, to work with an English um, applied theater company called CNT, who are based at Worcester. And, and um, they've been doing a, a pan-European project looking at, at journeys and migration. But what I've been doing with my students is very, very simply using technology not different to the Zoom platform that we're on at this moment to get them to tell stories of, um, of, of their families and where their families have come from and any kind of journeys of migration that might have characterized their, um, their families. Um, and migration, Ireland is a very, very parochial place, not, not dissimilar, I suppose, in, uh, to, to, to Australia, albeit on a very different level. And what I mean by that is obviously in Australia, you, you have very distinct ident identities as Victorians or as Tasmanians or, or Queenslanders and so on and so forth. In Ireland, we have our, our little counties. Um, so migration might be a very, very gentle thing of having moved from Cork to Dublin or from um, Wexford to Limerick. Or it may be, uh, you know, it may be that a migration from, um, from China to Ireland or from India to Ireland and so on and so forth. So very, very simply using um, in our drama studios with, with student teachers, um, first of all, doing a little bit of storytelling kind of one on one and telling those stories and then digitizing that and sharing them um, within the university. First of all, so we might have 450, 480 student drama, uh, drama teachers taking um, taking drama for, for primary. So it's part of a broad portfolio of arts education and sharing those stories and, you know, using keywords to identify the stories online. Um, and other people can pick up and, and listen to those stories. And what's incredible about it is that it's a very, very, very gentle, dramatic frame. And some of your listeners may argue that it's not even drama at all. But what's incredible about it is the, is the, the rate of pickup and the degree to which um, others listen to those stories and, I suppose, try to perhaps make sense of those, their own worlds in, in terms of um, listening to the stories of others. Beautiful. Well, it definitely adheres to the dramatic elements and expressive skills. And yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and it kind of engages obviously with the um, you know with, with with the lived reality of so many lives now, which you know digitized worlds and and um, and stories being told into the ether, um, such as this one. Sharing stories from our community and our personal lives is actually a vital part of the Victorian curriculum, so that totally works for us. Okay, good, good, good. Well, I'm glad to glad glad to connect on some level. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Well, this is usually a 10 minute podcast, but I was pretty happy that we could hear from you um, all the way from Ireland. So thank you very much uh, for that. But before obviously we, we leave today, is there something else you would, you would like to, to impart to us or leave with our listeners? Yes. Insofar in, in as just a, a plea to continue doing great drama work. And, and, and I mean that quite sincerely. I think, I think, um, I think Australia and the work that's going on in the Australian education system um, is Genuinely, I, I would hold Australia, New Zealand, and, and Canada, and obviously, you know, we're talking about global North nations, and and we all recognise the inherent inequity in the world and in, in our education systems. But, um, but you know, it is important to celebrate, you know, stories of success and models of success. And I think Australia is right up there in terms of um, excellent um, work being done. And to to urge your listeners to continue to share those stories because, you know, I, I started life as a as a as a as a, as a teacher. I've been in the university sector for quite a while now, and of course. 
course, it's a differing perspective. We share the same concerns, a differing perspective. But what really, what I really love um, about um, about visiting and, and my relationship with Australia is the fact that so many teachers are empowered to share stories from their classrooms, um, and that really informs us then, who are working in in, in teacher education and university education, um, to to try and and make those connections even more profound. So keep up the good work. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for your time, Dr. Michael Finneran. Not at all. Thanks, Nick. Good to talk to you this morning. You can find Dr. Michael Finneran on Twitter at Solsithor. That's right. <laughs> I will spell that for you at S-O-I-L-S-I-T-H-E-O-I-R. That is a Irish for illuminator. Solisthor. It's quite nice, isn't it? You can listen to Dr. Michael Finneran's entire workshop presentation by going to the Aside podcast and searching Dr. Michael Finneran, F-I-N-N-E-R-A-N. Well, that is all from us at the Aside. There are a lot of episodes in the bank, so feel free to look through those and find one that piques your interest. If you'd like to ask us a question or you have a suggestion for a future episode, please do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening. <laughs>